0: at least some of it is, is a mindset of uh, it's not strictly linear. Um, there isn't only one way to move. Um, also that moving in general is not a requirement, uh, that there shouldn't be like, there doesn't need to be a social pressure to like change your responsibilities year to year if what you're doing is really high quality work and it's what you find fulfilling. Uh, And that also uh, the it doesn't have to be all in one direction. You could make a move, decide that it's not the right one for you and switch out like and it doesn't have to be a sort of end of the road moment.
1: Hey I'm Chase Clemens. Welcome back to the Support Ops Hangout. This is a show that helps you deliver a better support experience to your customers. Now, we've got some of the best support pros in the business. If you haven't met them yet, let's make sure you know them first. We'll go uh, Chase Livingston. How are you this week?
2: Hey, doing well. Glad to be back after Thanksgiving. A little rounder and more full of food, but it was good. Mm, One of the best holidays of the year. Mm. Indeed, indeed.
1: Next up, Carolyn from Buffer. How are you?
3: I am also a little rounder, but otherwise good.
1: <laughs> oh, and then uh, Jeff from Westia. How are things?
0: I don't know whether I'm rounder or not, but I'm still hungry. Oh, I could always eat more turkey than what you get at Thanksgiving. The night of, I'm like, no, I'm done. And then the next day, I'm kind of like, anyone you feeling turkey sandwiches?
3: Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. So now, now I'm just doing, now I'm doing great. Now I'm just thinking about turkey sandwiches, actually.
3: (laughs) It is dinner time for you.
1: Yeah. It's Friday, Thanksgiving lunch. Like that's just what you do. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're not cooking a smaller second turkey for Friday, then you're doing it wrong.
3: My mom does that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. This week, we're not talking about food. (laughs) Well, we are talking about uh, customer support career paths. Now, I think if you listen to the show or if you're on a show with our crew, then you kind of know that a career in customer support's pretty worthwhile. But what does that actually look at? And I want to start with Chase Livingston's because Automatic is pretty great at offering this kind of like choose-your-own-adventure kind of feel, kind of vibe, I guess. I mean... Um, like you kind of get to, well, let's just kind of lay out the basics with, with uh, customer um, happiness engineers. That's what it was with happiness engineers at automatic. Uh, what's it look like from like year one up to however many years you've been there now?
2: Yeah. So I've done um, a lot of different things, I guess. <clears throat> and that's kind of the interesting thing about automatic is that um, there's a, a decent or a good bit of flexibility side to side, um, but not necessarily up and down since things are, are kind of flat. So there's not a ton of like um, uh, hierarchy or, or, or chance to move up like, there, you know, Andrew Spittle. We're not creating new positions like Andrew Spittles as the head of support very often. So, you know, that's not really a, an aspiration that um, a normal in quotes, happiness engineer, I guess could have. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity to, uh, work on different products. So I started out supporting wordpress.com via like email and forums. And then I did some uh, live chat work, um, for a little while. And then for the last few years, I've been working on um, Jetpack and Vault Press and Akismet and supporting our, our premium plugins. Um, and also obviously within the last couple of years, we acquired Woo, which, you know, brings along WooCommerce and, and all of its extensions. So, um, and that's not even mentioning the the VIP side of things that, uh, you know, have happiness engineer of sorts working to support those clients. So lots of, of different things um, to do. Uh, and, you know, we, we do have teams with, with team leads and that kind of thing as well. So uh, lots of different areas to work in if, if that's what you're interested in um, to, to sort of keep you busy and, and um, make sure that you find something that, Fits your skills and, and allows you to, uh, you know, better your support career and, and that kind of thing. Working on a, a product and, and a service that you enjoy using yourself, even um, and also supporting, obviously. I think we've
1: talked about it before, but like with the team leads and that kind of manager type role, you can move into that, spend a little while there, and then move back out of it to something else, right? Yes, yeah,
2: it's, it's not. So for some people, that's good. You know, it's not exactly like a promotion. It's more of like an administrative kind of role. Um so yeah, I think for a lot of people that's, you know, good if they enjoy, you know, the individual contribution just as much as they enjoy managing people or, or projects, that kind of thing. Um and then I guess for others that you know that may be a downside if, if their eventual goal is to end up in like a quote unquote management type position, you know, that seems to be held over from, you know, old corporations and, and things that, that still have lots of hierarchy with managers and things like that, you know, you're not going to find that as much, um, at automatic or, you know, at a lot of the companies that we work at uh, just cause they're set up relatively similarly. Mm. Um, and so there, there's, know other more interesting ways i guess that you would find to try and you know advance your career and uh, i guess move up the ladder if you will but there's not really a ladder to move up you're just sort of sliding along a a rail or you know however you want to look at it
1: (laughs) hey carolyn with buffer y'all are pretty flat too so how's that how's that ladder look there
3: yeah um very very similar concept to what chase just described maybe like to an order of magnitude smaller (laughs) um but we do have multiple products um multiple different ways to uh specialize so um whether it depends on how we're structured at the moment or just whatever you're naturally drawn to sometimes people specialize in a platform or a tool like live chat or email or twitter sometimes people specialize in an area of the product like billing or um whatever it it may be and then there's even different roles within that like specializing in terms of uh technical support um or customer success or you know anything like that but um a similar concept that there isn't a whole lot of turnover and there isn't a whole lot of um positions in terms of uh like in terms of that ladder that Chase was describing so um yeah we've had we have a couple senior uh, like team lead people who do one-to-ones and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, those don't, those don't change very often. So, so it's more of, um, growing into a new role or, um, growing in within the role, um, just becoming a, a very senior, like, uh, whatever the opposite of a specialist generalist, <laughs> uh, which is also extremely valuable. Um, especially when there is turnover, um, or in the case, like what I did, um, I moved into the product area. So I, I, moved a little bit closer to, um, the product, which is still very much customer experience. It's just a different manifestation. So, um, yeah, that's the other, th- sometimes people jump onto the marketing team if they find that, you know, working in the, with the community is, um, really motivating for them. So yeah, it's sim- similar sort of choose your adventure.
1: It feels like it's a lot more of a focus on like growing each person's skills and abilities rather than like your frontline support. Now you're going to be like a team lead. Now you're going to be like a manager, like that kind of traditional push people into a manager type situation. For sure. So Jeff, with Wistia, you've kind of bounced around for a couple of different roles ever since the show started. Um, You know, first on support and then moving Kind of more toward product, like like Carolyn did, um, when we talk about like how your career has grown, um, kind of walk us through like what what was that progression like going from leading a, a support team moving more into to product
0: uh, it 's tough um, <laughs> I think moving inside of an organization is probably the safest way to make that move, but it doesn't mean that it was easy. Uh, And I think that one of the challenges that we have that I would love to just hear Chase Livingston talk about this for the next 30 minutes is (laughs) as we, like, as we quote unquote grow as an organization, people are feeling like, hey, there's a lot less people who are making that kind of move nowadays, right? Who are like able to grow into not only a new position, but a new position of leadership as well. and we haven't, I don't, I think we're struggling with um, with how to set up that that path for for those people who are coming on as like number 90, number 95 um, to the team. Whereas like it, from what he said, it sounded like it Automatic, there's still a good amount of that movement, even at, I have no idea who, how many people work there, but it's many multiples of the number of people that work at Wistia. And I, I have to think that, at least some of it is is a mindset of uh, it's not strictly linear. Um, there isn't only one way to move. Um, also, that moving in general is not a requirement. Uh, that there shouldn't be like there doesn't need to be a social pressure to like change your responsibilities year to year. If what you're doing is really high quality work and it's what you find fulfilling. Uh, And that also uh, the it doesn't have to be all in one direction. You could make a move decide that it's not the right one for you and Switch out like and it doesn't have to be a sort of of end-of-the-road Moment Uh, at least that's what I take from Chase's comment And I have to think that a place that really thrives and encourages a lot of that long-term growth um, would have all of those things and we struggle with it at 100 in a hundred people in a way that we didn't when we were 20. And I only am, I, I, I have to imagine that they must have some kind of special magic at automatic to keep that in place.
2: Yeah. So I can try to speak to some of that. Um, so I guess one thing is the, Per, not permanent, but it's, they, they don't move in and out as much as they used to in the early days. I don't think team leads are becoming a little more, they're automatically spending a lot of time, you know, developing leaders and that kind of thing. And so when somebody moves to be a team lead, I think it's expected that you're going to do it for, you know, a decent you know amount of time. You're not just going to switch in for six months and then switch back out or something like that. Um, but the second thing I guess is, at the rate, right, um, we're hiring happiness engineers, teams are going to be splitting or, or, you know, forming new teams all together with new hires pretty regularly. And so there's obviously going to be opportunities for new leaders to step up and, uh, lead those teams obviously. And, and so it's obviously not going to be one of the new people that's coming on. So you're, you are know, sort of hiring from the, the people that have been around for more than a couple of years or more than a year or, or something like that to, to be those team leads, um, for these new teams that are being formed with all the, all the new hires. Um, I think, engineers, um, at this point with 650 or 700 employees, I think right now. Um, and so, you know, there's always going to be new teams, um, be informed and in that kind of thing. But I think it's also something that we're still trying to, to figure out as what does, uh, you know, advancing your career, especially as a happiness engineer look like, I mean, is it just, you know, becoming a team lead or are there other avenues you can, you can do, you know, I mean, like, Uh, You know, are you going to, what do you do to get more than a, you know, cost of living raise every year? Um, What does that look like as far as like, you know, is there such a thing as like a senior happiness engineer or, uh, you know, something like that? You know, those are all things that we don't have figured out. We're just sort of, um, you know, talking about and and trying to um, find the the best way to do those kinds of things. Um, So, uh, you know, I'm definitely open. That's something that I um, have thought a lot about and, and had a lot of discussions about. Um, With people, you know, internally and externally, about how they do things. Um, So, yeah, I'm curious to to hear what others have to say as well. Yeah, that's one of the things we do at Basecamp. We've got
1: it's never like this this push into a manager type ladder climbing like we've been talking about. It's more a look at where you are, what your skills and abilities are, what your growth path is looking like. Um, We do have some titles, mostly for like the uh, things that you were talking about. Um, Livingston with the, the pay raises and and that kind of thing. So like at Basecamp we have like a, a junior designer, a senior designer, a um, lead designer, a principal designer, and, and that goes through for programming and support and ops and and the rest of it. But those are again based around like the the individual themselves rather than oh this team now has ten people we have to split it and now we need to lead people to to like lead those teams. It's more. Um, your abilities, what you're doing, your career path, and and all that. I, so we've done that for, I guess, a year, year and a half now, and I think it's worked out pretty well. It's it's one of those where you know kind of what's ex- – so I know what's expected of me to bump up into going from a senior support person to a lead support, that, that different uh, level there. Um, I don't know if – like so with us we, we base camp has always been pretty small we intend to stay pretty small like that 55 60 person mark so i don't know like what moving into the 100 person 150 person that like Wisty and buffer and, and everybody's looking at is like um carolyn like we, with, with buffer i haven't seen a ton of hiring or anything like that so how do y'all approach
0: it
3: yeah we um are now doing a little bit of hiring um mostly because of turnover. Um, so, um, but it's been, it's been a challenge to like, to the point of the like senior question. Um, and to your point, kind of a throwback from your earlier comment, like there is a little bit of a natural progression between I'm brand new at this, at least I'm brand new at this in this company to, I have more context and, Um, just naturally I'm able to fit more in my brain because I can, I know where to map these information, this -hmm. information in my brain and, um, and that kind of thing. So it, it does end up being a little bit like that. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely not linear. I would agree. Um, and it depends on, um, kind of what your particular focus is. Um, we do try and do it all. We do it all transparently though.
1: Yeah, I think the challenge that most support people face is the fact that, kind of like Jeff was talking about, when you're in those early stages of a startup or whatever, there's there's that hiring that's happening, everything's kind of scaling up, and you've got chances to move into manager-type roles if you want to, or you get to move into tier two, tier three support if you want to, like that kind of thing. But once you kind of start reaching the, the upper limits of how big your company is either going to grow or how big you want it to grow, you end up in that unique situation of, well, I'm not really gonna, like Livingston said, there's, you know, unless Andrew Spittle leaves as head of support for Automatic, there's not going to be another like spot for that. And it's probably not going to be like an assistant or anything like that. So it's the the focus on kind of growing your own skill set and your own abilities and that kind of thing. I think that's going to be the, what we talk about going forward uh, when we talk about career growth, it's not going to be climbing the ladder. Um, unless you, and this is one of those things that we can talk about as well, unless you like move companies. Uh, I mean, Carolyn, you did that with moving from Emma, right? It was okay. Emma before. Then you moved over buffer um, and into that chief happiness officer role. Um, when you made that move, was it kind of, you felt like you were kind of at the the top of what your career was going to do with Emma?
3: Yeah, that was exactly it. Um, And also it just, it wasn't, it was exactly that. And also I just saw the opportunity at Buffer and wanted to do it. And, you know, there was nothing wrong at Emma. I was totally happy. It was just that I had sort of grown as much as I felt like I was going to grow there. Um, And, but I was totally sort of comfortable. And then the Buffer opportunity came along and I didn't feel like I could pass that up. Um, But I did have the experience of starting that job when I was quite young um, and growing a ton as a person and as a professional and having trouble sort of breaking out of that um, mentality with my coworkers. And so luckily I haven't had that experience at Buffer where um, I feel like people are really enthusiastic about internal growth and um, they make a point to try and evaluate each other um based on the expectations of your role not um your age or (laughs) things like that but um it can be really really hard to break out of that habit um I mean unconscious bias is like a really real thing so uh I, I do think that that had something to do with it um and that's nobody's fault. It's just the best option for me at the time was changing jobs and, and changing companies. Um, and I do think that that's often the case sometimes, especially in in the beginning of someone's career. I um, Can't really speak to later in the career because I haven't experienced it myself. But um, yeah, I do think that's like that's that's definitely a factor. Sometimes sometimes you're always going to be that person. Um, and if you can break out of that, absolutely, that's there's huge value in that and demonstrating growth. Um, you know, in your role and in your company and, and, and showing that you were able to make a sustained impact, um, especially in multiple areas, but sometimes jumping ship is the right decision as well.
1: Jeff, I'm curious if you run into that over at Wistia, have you had like in your role as a manager, have you had other team members that just kind of maxed out at Wistia and and needed a different company to, to keep growing?
0: I think that is always a tension that I do not know how to manage. Uh, I don't know what the right answer is um, because, I, on the one hand, I see great value in people staying together for a long period of time. There's just so much to be gained by being able to read each other better and experience more together. You just build a stronger, knitted team um, that seen more, I guess. Uh, but on the I'm other nodding. Hand, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the other hand, uh, I would never fault somebody who said, um, you know, I, I wanted to move into the lead role and there's all, can only be one lead <laughs> and I wanted to be that lead. So short of like, you know, going way back in time and like killing you or something, knocking you <laughs> off as like the king, like there's no other way to do that really well in the way we run organizations now, Um, you know, if we go back, you know, to the mafia, you could like knock off the, you know, the area lead. That's how you did it.
3: Um, Well, that escalated um, quickly.
0: Right. Well, I think, I guess my (laughs) point is that like, we don't have a good way to handle that in in organizations now. We've evolved past that, but we don't know how, we still don't know how to handle that in groups that we work in. There can be only one lead. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think part of my instinct is to redefine what lead means, like what responsibilities the lead has. And again, I would be really interested in how this is handled uh, at Automatic and other places, um, I suppose, because, well, Basecamp, right? We already talked about Automatic, but like at Basecamp, 50 people. I know Ryan's been like head of design for forever. So if you you join as a designer at Basecamp, are you... How does your responsibility differ from what Ryan's responsibility is? And do you just leave if you want to become lead designer? Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah, so I couldn't speak to design, but I'll give you an example from the support team. Um, so we um, we had a, a coworker Emily from Help Scout. Um, she does really great work. She was fantastic in a in a support role at Basecamp, but her calling her um career has always been more focused around writing. Uh she came to us from an Alaskan newspaper where she was writing articles for, did a really great job, you know, interacting with our customers and then when Help Scout had a content writer position open up, she applied for it and got it, of course, because she's awesome. And that fit with what her career was doing. We weren't going to have that particular role open at Basecamp. Um, maybe five, 10 years down the road. I, I couldn't speak, you know, nobody can see that far ahead, but it wasn't something that we were looking for right away. So when she looked and evaluated that, that opportunity from Health Scout, it was, well, of course that's a perfect fit for her. That's what she wants to do. It's at a great company. Um, it's something that she can't get at base camp currently. So yeah, that makes sense. Make the move. And we were all slightly jealous or whatever that she left, but still happy (laughs) Um, because she did that, did that well. Um, And I know for me, isn't she, she's, she's the best. Hi, Emily. Um, And I know for me personally, like if I ever wanted to be like head of support or anything like that, that's not a role that we're going to have open at Basecamp anytime soon. So if I wanted something like that, then I would have to start looking at, well, are there startups around that need like that kind of thing? Is there another company that's doing good work that, you know, has that position available? Um, but for the most part, it's, it's with our base camp team, it's kind of like you were talking about, like we're in it to go the distance with this company. We've got people that have been here for five, 10, 15 years, which is really unusual when it comes to tech companies. And, and, uh, I think for those people, it's less about like climbing a ladder or moving up in like that kind of positions or whatnot, and more about, um, I'm going to learn and I'm going to do some of the best work I've ever done here at this company. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think it does. I think one of the things, and, and it's to Carolyn's point, some unconscious bias as well, is that as team leaders, when we get together to talk about stuff, we're coming from our perspective, which was we couldn't imagine being anything but team leaders. Like that's what we wanted to do. Um, That's the impact that we wanted to have. There are people on our team who have zero interest in being the person who has to conduct one-on-ones and fill their schedule with meetings um, and set up the agenda for every team meeting, including having really uncomfortable conversations as a group. Uh, they don't want to be that person. Their best work of their life has nothing to do with leading other people. It has to do with executing on the work that's in front of them, um, and that gets forgotten when you're in a, in when you're discussing it in a group of people who have always kind of thought about well, what's the what's the next you know? From my perspective, I'm not really good with having a boss, <laughs> so it's always like, okay, I want to be my own boss. <laughs> what do I have to do to do that? Um, <laughs> uh and, and so I, I just think that that gets forgotten and it's a really important part of the of the discussion it's like don't set i, I really don't think we should be setting rules that ever exclude people who are like no, no no this this part of this part of the world is like the part that i really love and all i want to do over the next rest of my career is make this part very far out as i can see anyways make this part of the world like better there's so much to do just here it doesn't I don't need to hop into like taking over things. Um, So it just, it gets lost really quickly, but I think it's really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those where, like you said, we have a tendency when we do one-on-ones from a manager or leadership role, it's, well, of course, like you want to like, you know, up your game and you want to be, you know, you want to have your own team lead one day or you want to be like, uh, at of sport, and, and that idea that we've got where promotion is equivalent to becoming a manager—that's just—it's just not true. I mean, you—you you can take. So, at my my last job, we um, had a, a, a lady that was just fantastic as kind of this this frontline um, frontline worker and she did a really really great job at that and we kept trying to promote her into more of a supervisor or manager role and she just came out and said i don't want that i don't you're welcome to give me more money if you want to do that but as far as like leading a team or stepping into that more oversight role that's not something that she wanted to do so she stayed on the front lines and kicked ass and and we were thankful every day that we had uh had her working those front lines. So I, I think like you mentioned, Jeff, it's really easy to forget that. That for some people, that's what they want from their career. And we as a company and, and especially we as managers should be uh, empowering is not quite the right word there, but like we should be doing everything we can to make sure that they're happy in what they're doing and that they're growing how they want to grow.
3: I had that experience a little bit. Sorry Jeff were you about to say something?
0: No, I was going to take it in a different direction. So
3: you go. Okay. I was just going to share that. Like I had that experience a little bit with buffer. So when I was hired, I was not um, hired as a lead. I was just hired as, as someone doing support. And um, when Joel offered me the job of lead, I said no. Um, because in my experience with that role was at a company that had 35 people on the support team and, that job looked horrible to me. And I was like, no, I definitely, definitely don't want to be the person who like tells people that they can't take it, take vacation because somebody else already took vacation. And like, like, like I do not want that role of figuring out how to like squeeze an extra 10 emails out of people in a day. And he assured me that it wouldn't be that, um, which it wasn't um, partially because it was a three person team at that point. Um, but after multiple years of doing that and growing the team, it turned certainly not into that of what I feared of my worst fear of what being a support lead would look like. Um, but it was much more about, uh, people operations and support operations and, um, a lot more logistics than it was building relationships, coaching on doing, you know, good customer service and hiring, Um, And so I moved out of the role at that point and I moved into an individual contributor role, which eventually took me to the product role. So um, I was lucky enough to have a a safe space to do that and a boss where I felt like I could say this isn't my strength anymore. And um, someone who I felt like I trusted enough to say, hey, I'll just figure this out. Let's figure it out together um, as opposed to feeling like I had to sneak around and get another job or buckle down and try and do a job that I was no longer good at and no longer loved. Um, So there are multiple different elements to being a lead as well. Different stages of the company, different stages of the team, different sizes. Um, And it's totally normal if like one of those feels like your dream job and one of them (laughs) sounds terrible (laughs) because they can be really different. So um, that's also something to consider that if a lead role sounds terrible to you, it might just be that this particular stage, um, or vice versa, if it sounds great, it might be useful to know that that isn't always true as, as the company grows and changes.
1: Yeah, and there was no direct path that you took through there. It was like, I'm going to do this and then zig over here and zag over there. And it was like, I really think just from talking with you before and then hearing that, it was, you have a very transparent Uh, relationship with joel and you're able to figure that out together rather than him stepping in and saying no i'm the ceo i need you to do this like you're gonna do this
3: right and to his credit i always felt like and i always have felt like and i still do i could say this isn't quite right for me anymore let's figure it out as opposed to sort of eking it out and and squeezing every last ounce of my willpower out of it um and that if the answer was, okay, there doesn't seem like there's the right role for you here anymore, that he would do right by me in that case and help me find another job or give me a good runway to figure it out or whatever that was, knowing that that was the right thing for Buffer in the long term was to, to provide an environment where somebody feels like they can do that. Um, and I think that is like a really, really strong thing that he's done for our culture where people don't just sort of hide and try to keep their head down in a role until they get kicked out because they have clearly their heart isn't in it anymore.
1: Livingston, does that hold true when we get to a bigger company like Automatic that you just, you have these relationships with with your head of support, your team leads, and that you can have those kind of conversations and, and move around as you need to?
2: Yeah, I think um, it might be a little easier for somebody like me who's been around and like built that relationship with Spittle versus somebody who's, just coming in, you know, as a new hire within the last couple of years where, um, he's, you know, a bit more hands off, um, from the day to day work and is more just focused on, you know, coaching the, um, you know, the team leads and just setting vision and things like that for support as a whole at automatic. Um, you know, so I, Spittle is the, the person who hired me. He was my hiring manager when I was hired. So I, you know, obviously developed a pretty close relationship with him and still, um, you know, have that and and maintain that. But uh, like I said, it might be harder for somebody to do that. um, Now, with that being said, obviously there are plenty of other people you can go to, to, um, to talk about that. Obviously your team lead would be the the first person, um, you know, to talk about moving or or even, you know, leaving the company. I mean, you know, things like that is, you know, that's who you would want to talk to to see if, you know, I mean, if you want to stay at the company, obviously to, to work on a plan to uh, either, switch teams to, to find some different type work, you know, something like that. Um, you know, they have the power obviously to, uh, to, to help you with that. Um, just as much as pretty much anybody else does. I mean, ultimately I guess Spittle would maybe may have to approve something like that. But, um, you know, if, if one of his team leads comes to him and, uh, you know, lays out the situation and, and, you know, just gives all the facts, I don't see him you know getting in the way of something like that. If, if he knows that it's going to help that person be happier and hopefully, you know, stay around stick around longer at automatic, um, you know, in a happy productive role. So, you know, there's lots of different ways to do it. I think with our size, things are maybe a little more complicated or, uh, you know, harder to see, but um, I think there still is a pretty clear path for folks if, if that's something that, you know, they're struggling with.
0: So that's exactly where I wanted to take the conversation is just like what the action items on this could be. Um, And it seems like there's two groups of people, either one, well, Everybody falls into one which is uh, thinking about your own potential you know path um, and what what's what you want to be doing in some length of time And then some people also fall into the other bucket of like thinking of the people that they are coaching and mentoring and like how to put them into a place how to start the conversation so you can even have a sense right like we could probably dig in and have a whole episode on. How we found out, for example, at Basecamp that uh, Emily really wanted to be a writer and wanted to go in that direction. Because probably the best possible experience she could have had was some like her manager or whatever her lead was being like, Hey, this is not an invitation to leave Basecamp. I love having you here, but I just happen to spot this listing, or I just happen to be talking with Nick Francis from Help Scout, and they're looking for something that sounds like what you want. Like that's what real like long-term coaching and mentoring looks like is even finding the positions even when they're not at that company um and i i don't know i don't definitely do not pretend to know all the different ways you can do it but i think if you're not having that conversation at least semi-regularly with yourself um or with the person that you have one-on-ones with then um it's possible that you're like having an unintentional career. And I just don't think
2: that's the best. One thing I'll mention, um, about that point is something that's sort of, I don't know where we got it from, but something that's become popular at, at automatic with a lot of different teams. And, and we've done it um, with the team I'm on is team leads holding what they call stay interviews, um, with their team members. Um, so I, I kind of doubt we're the ones to originate that. Um, but if we are props to us, I guess, um, we uh so basically you know there's just lots of different questions and things that people ask like where do you see yourself in five years type questions um and so that sort of helps uh people develop and and think about um where they want their career to be you know in the future and once your team lead knows that they can obviously try to funnel work your way that that fits in with that um you know obviously the hope is that it's going to be at automatic and we can find things um for each individual person and kind of tailor that job to them as, as much as possible. I mean, and, you know, there's, you, know, you can only go to a certain extent with that, but as much as possible to give them work and things that they enjoy and, and that are meaningful to them. And then, um, you know, continue to, to do that and help them you know, revisit that plan and, and see if, you know, obviously if automatic is still, you know, meeting those career aspirations and, and things like that. And, you know, if not, is there something we can do with an automatic to help you do that? You know, is a team switch, you know, an opportunity that that may help um, or, you know, is is looking for another job, something that that might help. And then, you know, they can obviously help and assist with that, you know, as much as as it would make sense as well. So um, I think that's been something that has helped a lot of people out, even just beginning to think about where they want to be in their career and then how they can uh, do that, you know, within the confines of, of one single company.
1: Yeah, if you're not having those kind of conversations with your your team lead, head of sport, whatever it is, the, the, whoever the person is that you do those one-on-ones on, like you you just need to be. You need to be having those conversations, and you definitely need to be having those conversations internally uh, with, with yourself. Claire from Know Your Company wrote a great article, and I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. But she uh, was talking about the the time you spend prepping for your one-to-ones, like your your reviews and, and that kind of thing should be more than just this like surface level like oh how did i do on my last project it should be more along the lines of what Livingston was talking about like am i going to be here in five years what do i want to be doing in five years and those take a little bit of time to think through and and collect your thoughts on and figure those things out but the more you can dive into those kind of self retrospective questions, the better off your, your to one reviews are going to go and the better position you're going to be in and your manager is going to be in to make sure that you're doing your best work either with your current company or at a different one. All right. Any other thoughts? This is lots of nodding, nodding (laughs) at this point. Uh, We're running up on the kind of the tail end of the episode here. So anything else that we didn't mention on this one?
0: Just to add a fine point on that last one. um, Put the dot on it. Well, I've certainly been in positions where I was a little nervous to go to my manager and start a conversation. That's like, I want something that's not my current role. Like, what does that mean? Like, am I going to walk out of that room and they're going to be like, yeah, you're not here anymore. You're fired now. Um, Uh, And I, obviously every context is different. Please do not take this, uh, whatever the the financial uh, small text is. It's like, I'm not a, I'm not eligible to give you tax advice. Um, I'm not (laughs) eligible to give you advice because I don't know your context, but like managers want to know this stuff way in advance. Good managers want to be proactive about it. And you don't necessarily have to come to them with a fully baked plan of what you want to do go and talk about what you care about. And if there are, are obvious ways to tie it back to what the organization cares about and values, then like I think bringing that up can only be helpful. But a really bad scenario is when you haven't talked about it until you have a fully baked plan. And now the manager's only recourse is to tell you that there's no way to achieve your plan. And now everybody is disappointed. Uh. So... Mm-hmm. Do not I guess my only advice is like have those conversations on both sides before you think you're totally ready. And if if they're a good manager, it, it's not going to be a you know a real panic moment.
3: Yeah, I was gonna asterisk that also, that thing you said with if you trust your manager. <laughs> and if your manager yep. has done a good job of of creating a safe space for that conversation.
0: <laughs> yep, absolutely.
1: Yeah, if you're a manager, you should be creating the, the space to have those kind of conversations. So for those of our listeners that are on that team lead slash manager role, if you're not, if if the rest of your team is, are not having conversations like this with you, something's up. Like you, you should figure out how you can, can encourage those. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. That's our take on this one. Let us know what you think. It's hello at support Co for the email. We're at support on Twitter. Before we go one more thing. Um, some, some fun news, some exciting news. Uh, after, talking, uh, after talking it over, we're going to wrap up the Support up show at the end of the year. Uh, it's, it's been an absolutely awesome ride over the last few years and 156 episodes with this one. So 156 episodes. We've covered a ton of topics around the customer experience, and we just kind of think now is the right time to to ride into the sunset. Is, is that yeah. what people do nowadays? So we've got three, uh, three more very special episodes planned that will carry us up to right before the holidays. Uh, so make sure not to miss any of those. Thanks again for listening. And until we see you again in the next episode, have an awesome week.